Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Real As Yates podcast. We're your hosts, Taylor Yates. And Paige Yates. And in this podcast, we share with you everything we know about real estate, greater Boston, and life. And in case you're wondering, yes, we are in fact related. Paige is my mom, and we lead, surprise, the Yates team. Taylor, how was your trip to Texas? (laughs) It was amazing. So we have some good family friends that live down in Houston, and my friend bought a ranch a few years ago, and oh my gosh, it is so different from here. So I went down, I went down for the weekend, and we did like all the ranch stuff. We were in the outdoors, we we did like heavy-duty yard work with like his tractor, and like did some animal management. It was it was a hoot, and not not for nothing, by the way. Houston had some pretty good food down there. Like not just Mexican, which you'd kind of expect. We got some really good Asian food because I guess there's a big diaspora there. It was just totally awesome. It was just a total boys weekend out in the wilderness. It was like boys with big toys. Yeah, boys with big toys. With a ranch. (laughs) Yeah, a ranch. Guess how much they paid. So he's got 90 acres down there. Guess how much he paid per acre. I wouldn't even know because ranches in Texas are so big and... The land goes on for, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. All right. So it was $3,300 per acre, if oh you can believe it. Like, can you can, $3,300 doesn't even pay rent in like Southie. <laughs> well, $3,300 for an acre. I mean, there are towns in, in Metro Boston where it's, for an acre and a half, it's $2 million. Yeah. I mean, so 3300 man. Yeah. So does having a ranch kind of, common? Or do people, that I, not really? That I don't know. I mean, as you know, our, our friend down there, he loves, he loves the outdoors. He spent his 20s as an environmental con, like consultant in Wyoming, where basically like, if you wanted to do construction, you had to hire environmental consultants to go like count the birds, do like water table studies and things like that. So he was like, he'd go out for like days with his backpack and go count birds for his job. And so he loves that. He loves that. And um, I think for him, having a ranch is super important. I don't know. You know, I, I, there were a few other ranches around, so somebody else does it, but I don't know how common it is. I guess some people buy lake houses in Texas and some people buy ranches. Yeah, exactly. I think his mom bought a lake house, right? So, (laughs) So. (laughs) all right. So this week we're going to talk about prepping your home for sale, pet-friendly preparations. Let's start with the pet paradigm shift. So are buyers today more likely to prioritize a pet-friendly home than they were in the past? Probably Taylor and I have a different opinion about this (laughs) because I've got five dogs. (laughs) So I'm on the pet-friendly group and Taylor is allergic, so he's on the negative pet group. Yeah. So I think there are a lot of people that have pets. I'm not sure they've valued in real estate or have set out as a goal in real estate to look for something that is pet friendly. I do believe that people with pets are tending to look for yards Mm -hmm. and areas that they can fence in so they can have a bigger space and they're not in the situation where they have to walk a dog down from their apartment or out of their house in Cambridge along the streets Mm -hmm. and you know, walk along the streets of Boston or Cambridge or wherever in the city 
versus being able to open the back door and let their dog go out to a fenced-in yard. Yeah. I'm not sure the pet-friendly things like baths Mm -hmm. or walkways up to the bath for elderly dogs. I'm not sure that's caught on yet. Mm -hmm. I consider, I certainly think people, some people do value them if they see them Mm -hmm. in a house already there. But I'm not sure people would ever say to me, hey, I've got an elderly dog. I need a pet-friendly home. Yeah. So I'll add to this a little bit because, Paige, I think you and I come at this from a little different direction, right? So you live solidly in Metro West, right? I'm a little bit closer to the urban core. And I think downtown, there has been a major paradigm shift because it used to be, you know, first of all, the standards for how good of care you had to take care of your pets were a lot lower. But second, pets have gone from being like a nice to have for a lot of people to a must have. And taking care of that pet, if you're in a big apartment building or a big condo building, there's just certain things you need to be able to do. Oh, and and I will say to you, I totally agree that there are many buildings downtown Mm -hmm. that have pet-friendly amenities to address what the owners want. Right. Right, exactly. And so you'll see luxury condo buildings where, you know, if you tour them, they're going to show you, and here's the pet wash, and here's the dog run, and here's, you know, the sort of like pet bathroom area on, um, you know, the 20th story. So, but I do think, you know, because that standard of care for animals has gone up, fenced in yards or fenceable yards have become more important. Dog doors, I think people have, have, you know, I think those went out of fashion for a while because they they let dogs out, but they also let raccoons in. Yeah, (laughs) um, it's true. But, you know, now that they make them better, people are like, yeah, I I want a dog door so that I don't have to, open the door every time my dog needs to go outside. And I do think this topic is, has, if you're in Boston, I think you have different expectations. Mm-hmm. And I think if you move to the suburbs, you have different requirements. Mm-hmm. So in homes, we might see a pet washing station mm-hmm. or we might see a fenced-in yard or a dog door. In the city, people have different expectations because if you're moving from the suburbs, to the city and you have a pet, you want those amenities because you don't want to be going down 25 floors out onto the street, trying to find a place for the dog to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. So I do think different parts of Boston address the pet-friendly preparations differently. Yeah, and I think ultimately what they're getting at is that there are buyers for whom a pet is a non-negotiable. So if you have pet-friendly amenities in your home or in your building, that opens up your market to people with pets, right? That, that means you can sell your home to more people, which more, more demand means higher prices, and that's ultimately what a seller wants. Any kind of innovative pet amenities that you've seen? Just in houses where they build a bath and there's yeah. a ramp for the dog to get up. Yeah, I remember when uh, when we washed the dogs, they were just in the bathtub. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> That's like, you know, exactly. you would never do that now because you'd have a, a dedicated bath for the dog. Yeah, but the ones I've seen, which I thought were very impressive, were that there was a ramp to get mm-hmm. the dog up there. So yeah. if you had an elderly dog. Or a little or, dog. Or a little dog, you could get them cl- cleaned, which is, that's probably the, the thing I've seen that was most creative. 
Yeah. The other thing I see, and this is in bigger buildings, is building community around pets. So they might have like a doggy date night, right? Where all the residents with pets get to gather and socialize over their dogs. That to me is a pretty cool way to add value to to that community. And I think a lot of the kind of Western, I mean, uh, greater Boston area where the towns that have lots of conservation land mm-hmm. also have great dog communities where mm-hmm. you can go over. There's a pond near Wellesley College that people go on Wednesday nights and walk around. There's land on the north side of Weston, which is conservation land. It's got It's by Cat Rock, and there are tons of people there walking dogs. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely, you kind of got the... In-town living, and you've got out-of-town living. Yeah. And so many people who move from the suburbs to Boston already have a pet that they're not willing to get rid of. Yeah. So that makes the demand for pet-friendly buildings incredibly high. Because as you said, the pet is not just a pet. It is now the fifth member of a family or the the member of the family that they're not willing to make it's not Compromises. optional. Yeah, it's not an optional. It's not a compromise. They're coming with us. Yeah, so. exactly. Let's talk about creating a pet oasis, right? So how can homeowners carve out specific areas or rooms in their homes that are pet friendly? Like, a, you know, cats in sunrooms or, you know, a dog's indoor play area. How can they be both functional for pets and appealing for buyers? Or can they? I'm not sure they can. Yeah. You know, I'm not a good person to ask because as I said to you, I already have I have five dogs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who definitely roam the house. Mm-hmm. I unfortunately have resorted to gates to kind of gate off areas yeah. that they can't go to. I think cats are a little different because they tend to you know, people worry that they're going to scratch their good furniture and so they really want a pet-friendly area for a cat because mm-hmm. they want to make sure that that other parts of the house aren't destroyed yeah. by claws or whatever. Those of us who have dogs obviously worry about accidents in other parts of the nice parts yeah. of the house. So I think it's, I don't see people kind of, in, at least in the suburbs, creating a room per pet. I consider most of what I see is areas. You know, mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. they're either allowed in the family room. Yeah. And the living room and dining room are off base. Right. So I don't know. I know that the cats love the sun and like to preen and all that. So I would think having a sunroom was a, is a great thing. But I think more importantly is most pet owners tend to allocate spaces based on where they want their pets to be living on a daily basis. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Like maybe it's not a dedicated pet room, but it's a room that does double duty, right? It's it's like, hey, we're, I'm okay with my pet being in this room that I also use. Right, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, and then beyond the visual appeal, what modifications can make a home safer and more accessible for pets? Maybe like, you know, doors, ramps, balcony enclosures. Like, what are what are some other things you, you've seen where people like say, hey, I want to make this like a safer place for my pet. And it doesn't have to be indoors either. I feel like fences, that's a big one. Well, fences, uh, so I've had both electric fences and a regular fence. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the electric fence did not work for us because mm-hmm. we had dogs that would just 
go through it. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, for safety purposes, the dogs were running out to the road, which was obviously not safe. I think the fences in the back, a fenced in backyard is both great for pets and also people like it for young children. So yeah. it kind of serves double duty. One thing that I think is great to have is like an outdoor hose that is is easy to be able to have if you want to keep your pets outside. You have a hose where you can fill up a water bowl. So if you want to go to work and it's a hot day and they have space to shade and everything, but they, you don't want to leave them without water, it's great to have an outdoor hose, both for watering the dog as also if you have dogs that get into mud or you need to have some sort of bath, it's nice to have an area outside where you can have a hose that gets things going. Not for nothing, the dogs love playing with the hose. Yeah. <laughs> they love when you spray them in the yeah. face and they swing their head back and forth to try and catch it. Yeah, and try to drink from it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, they're really funny. Cool. All right, so we're going to come back for the mailbag in just a minute. Did you know that Paige and I aren't just your favorite real estate podcast hosts? We're also pretty darn good at our day jobs. With over 30 years experience and $1 billion sold in greater Boston, we are real estate agents you can trust. If you're buying or selling a home, reach out to us at contact at yatesboston.com today. All right, mom, you ready for the joke of the week? I don't know. These (laughs) jokes, I don't know where you found them. Yeah. Why did the real estate agent get counseling? (laughs) <laughs> That's good. I don't know the answer, but I can see can it. So I, he, I like All he, right, so he needed closure. I love it. <laughs> That's great. All right. So, so let's go to the mailbag. Our first question is, how do I make sure that my house doesn't have any pet smells? And if it does, what do I do? Well, it's it's an ongoing battle for those of us that have pet, pets. Yeah. And as Taylor might tell you, I'm very unsuccessful at it. But I think there are a couple things. One is it's important to have furniture and rugs cleaned in a kind of consistent manner. Mm-hmm. I think that having some of these air fresheners helps. Mm-hmm. I think that if you have... I mean, I've had a house where there was one room where their two dogs peed all the time in mm-hmm. just one room of the house. Yeah. And before selling it, I recommended that that carpet came up and yeah. you put a new carpet in. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really important because if people smell pets when they come into a house, it's a big turnoff. Yeah. I almost put it in that same category as um, water. Right, where it's like if I smell a pet and it smells bad, it like just starts making alarm bells go off. And I go, what else is wrong with this house? Because clearly they're not keeping it clean because I can smell the animal. It's funny though. I'm not sure a clean house will also have pet smells. Yeah. Because I have a cleaning person come all the time and you can still smell the pets. Right. It's just due to the volume. Right. But what a buyer thinks when they smell that pet is that this is not a clean house. Correct. And I think that's the issue. Yeah. And I also think that when you go to show your house, you've got to have a vehicle to get your animals out of the house. People have asked me, can I just leave my dog in an area or can I put them in their cages? And I just feel like when you go to show your house, you have one time to be first on the market and one weekend to get everybody in for the first time. And you want to put your best foot forward. It means 
no pets, decluttering, you know, all the things that we've talked about, mm-hmm. cleaning up the house. I really think if you want top dollar and you want buyers to fall in love, which you want them to do in the first 30 seconds, you can't have any barriers to that happening. Right. I agree. Smell and water are two that will throw a a wrench into a showing. Yeah, I agree. Because if you leave your pets in the house, that's what the buyer remembers, that that was the house with the dog that barked, or that was yeah. the house with the cat that followed me around. It's just, you know, it, it's like on the spectrum of things, it shouldn't be a huge deal, but it does distract from what your home has to offer. Right. So. It does. Well, thanks for those awesome questions. If you are a curious cat and would like your question to be answered, you can just send us an email at contact at yatesboston.com or slide into our DMs at Yates Team Boston. That's it for this week. Be sure to tune in next week wherever you find your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Pandora. And if you enjoyed this, be sure to like, subscribe, and give us that five-star review. You can also find us on Instagram and YouTube at Yates Team Boston or on the web at yatesboston.com. <laughs>